Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 178. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and on today's episode is Chad Davis. Chad is one of our keynote speakers at our 2019 RV Entrepreneur Summit, and after the talk, so many people came up to Alyssa and I and just said, I need to get the recording for this talk. There were so many key takeaways, so many resources that he mentioned in this episode. I just saw people vigorously taking notes the entire time. And it's kind of funny because when we were thinking about having Chad come and speak, I didn't know how much his story would resonate. Unlike many of the entrepreneurs who come to our conference who are running kind of like smaller mom and pop businesses or maybe have teams of like three or four people, Chad is actually managing over 60 fully remote employees in his accounting firm from the road, traveling with his family. And during that time, Chad has read something like 18,000 resumes. And so his talk was specifically on how he's been able to build an amazing culture all while everyone is working completely remote. So you can say that he has quite a bit of experience with hiring. Chad runs LiveCA.ca, which is his fully remote accounting firm in Canada with over 60 employees. And in this talk, he gets into the five different stages that he's created for their hiring process. Chad and his team run all kinds of different amazing retreats and have all kinds of resources that will help you if you're looking to hire and build a remote team and you want to have a thriving culture with it. Also, if you want to learn more from amazing speakers like Chad, on September 25th at 10 a.m., we are releasing our standard batch of RVE Summit tickets for 2020. The event this coming year is going to be held at Lake Gunnersville State Park in northern Alabama, and the dates are March 19th through the 22nd. It's an amazing four-day conference for RVers and travelers who are working to build a remote income and want to be able to travel and do the same thing. So we have keynote speakers, workshops, attendee-led meetups. It's a really amazing place to meet lots of people who are building interesting things and happen to be doing them all from the road in an RV. If you want to learn more about the RVE Summit, you can go to our website at therventrepreneur.com and learn more. All right, without further ado, Chad's main stage talk from our 2019 RV Entrepreneur Summit. I am so pumped to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I was sitting backstage and talking to my wife, Olga was in the back with my two kids, about how cool it is to be at a place where a lot of the people that give you the inspiration to either get on the road or stay on the road or just live cool things from city to city are actually in this room with us. So I thought it would be a nice way to start the presentation by just saying thank you to all the content creators, to all the bloggers, to all the YouTubers that have made an impact in your life, and to Heath and Alyssa for putting on such an incredible summit that brings us all together from God knows where in the country or the world. Uh, So big hand to Heath and Alyssa. Thank you very much. Our journey would not start without an RV, obviously. So I wanted to share this with you because every single person that comes up on this stage shares their RV story, and it wouldn't be an RV summit if we didn't do that right now. So the sort of inspiration for, for starting the RV trip, which, which is what it was for us in the beginning, it was a trip. It was my wife who took us out on Father's Day one day, and well, obviously on Father's Day, and she said, why don't we rent an RV? I said, that sounds incredible. Thank you so much. I'd love to do this and get away from the business for a while. And when she took us to that RV shop, We stayed and we bought an RV that day. (laughs) 
We did not rent one. Uh, it was too expensive. It was really nice to just buy it. So the first trip that you'll see up top is our Springdale. It was a 27-foot that we thought, because you know those numbers in the front, they don't really mean the footage sometimes. So we were going around to campground to campground saying, we have a 27-foot trailer, 27. We were getting in and we were happy. It's 32 feet. <laughs> so things you learn when you have your first trip. Um, so we had taken this Dodge Ram and this 32-foot Springdale all across Canada. I'm from Nova Scotia, and we have a, a CPA company that is the, I guess, the premise of today's discussion. It's about hiring remotely and working online. And when this trip occurred, I had to take some time off because there was no spot in the RV to work. I couldn't really take eight hours of calls that I knew of. And we decided to do a two-and-a-half-month trip across Canada and back. Epic. It was an epic, epic trip. Loved every second of it and got completely hooked. And by hooked, I think probably all of us in this room can relate to the rabbit hole that is YouTube and <laughs> watching every single video. So while we thanked Heath and Alyssa earlier, a big inspiration for me was the Keep Your Daydream folks and watching yeah. all of their tools. So thank you very much. They showed us what it was like to be a family on the road, and it's okay, you know, to try and do this with a family. And there's people before them, and there are people after them, but I just got hooked. So again, thank you very much. That hooked, and that sort of, I won't call it, a, you know, an addiction, but that, uh, it's an addiction. Okay, so the YouTube addiction <laughs> happened, and between that trip in 2017, right around October, when we finished the binge, we ended up searching for a rig that had an office. And there are a lot of issues with working on the road as a licensed CPA in Canada. And working through a lot of those problems with insurance, the Canadian healthcare system where it's very provincially regulated, timelines, you know, if you're out of your province for longer than a certain amount of time, that affects your healthcare coverage. And we had to work through all of these issues. So it took us probably three to four months of red tape to get on the road. And we found this grand design reflection. It's a 367 BHS, which I've seen a couple. There you go. Uh, and for those that have it or have seen it, it has a completely enclosed mid-bunk, which has three windows on each side. And that allowed me to have that into a converted office. So I went to Ikea, decked it out, and you know, put a table in it, and decided this is where I can have my office. We bought this rig sight unseen, and it was because of that design. And eventually, it arrived right off, right from the factory in Indiana into our uh, local dealer up in Nova Scotia. The route that we took originally, again, we'll go very fast here, we went across Canada, went back, and that's, that South Dakota-Montana trip was really cool. It's where I learned that you can't always have internet on the road. And when we got back up to Banff and Jasper and then, and then made that loop back, we were just hooked. I mean, I know why you guys do what you do now, uh, whether it's part-time or full-time. 
And we decided to go full-time after that. It was just just too much. It was, you know, a dream come true. So this uh, was our first time being a Canadian snowbird in the U.S. So thank you for your hospitality. I have to leave in 16 days and be up there, or I have to start paying taxes here. (laughs) Very cool to be here. I can't thank you enough uh, for having me, and we're going to start getting into it now. This is an older photo. I did not, this is when we hit, I think, around 40 people and we made a big splash about it online. Live CA is the company that I co founded with my business partner, Josh. And at the time, he was living in Tel Aviv, but before that, Brazil, and before that, Argentina. And I was in my basement in Nova Scotia. But it was just the two of us. And we wanted to do something that was attractive to accountants in Canada. And that was to work remotely, but to do really, really technically good work using online tools and using easy-to-use language that wasn't scaring people away. It's a very low bar in the CPA world to do very good customer service and get lots of clients, at least in Canada. So we thought if we could do that, we'd have something pretty special. And we were sort of right. In the very first few months, we probably ended up getting 30 to 60 customers. And these were all corporations. We never wanted to do personal tax. And that corporate tax work allowed us to do system selection and pricing and all these consultancy services on the CPA front that were really interesting. And they weren't just standard tax compliance work. So keeping things interesting is one of the themes that you'll see throughout this presentation. But really quickly, today, you know, there's about 60 or more full-time remote employees spread all across Canada. We've never had an office since day one, unless you count my basement and office. We are legally licensed in every province, so we have to have, you know, lawyers' addresses to where we can send mail there, which is another fun thing about running a remote company. The most proud moment outside of the people and what we're building is the legislative changes we had to go through won't spend too much time on this, but you weren't allowed to run a virtual firm or, ha- or have remote employees in a licensed CPA environment in Canada when we started. So we reached out to the bodies, told them what we were doing, and said, are you, are you with us or are you against us? And they were with us. So we worked for three years. We were the very, very first CPA firm to train and qualify CPAs in Canada, which is awesome. We work with larger clients. So these are people that have a team. They just don't want to replace... They don't want to purchase their own finance team, so they'll purchase our team. Live CA offers back office services, so very quickly there's payroll, accounts payable, bookkeeping, corporate tax, mergers and acquisitions, trust work, reorganizations, all that sort of things that you'd expect a CPA firm to do. We do that, but we work with monthly, I guess you could call it a retainer, but it's a monthly price, and then... That's how we we keep on top of our accounts receivable and have cash flow coming in all the time. So we never bill in arrears, always up front, and everyone agrees to it, which is nice. I work with some of Canada's biggest VCs and fintech companies, accelerators, etc. And early on, we decided we would only use online tools. So, you know, there might be some people here that are a bit addicted to online apps. I'm one of them. And that was one of the key characteristics of having this company was to be able to somehow work from wherever you wanted to. This topic is remote hiring. 
I love talking about pricing and app selection and you know, how to minimize that, that cash flow problem that a lot of companies have. But I think what our company is most known for, at least in the Canadian accounting space, is our hiring process. And that's because we've, we've tried something a little different in terms of how we onboard people, how we attract them, how we go through the actual experience of, of going through a hiring process. And th- I'm going to take you through that today from start to finish in a very detailed manner in less than 46 minutes, I promise. So here we go. We've found that an employee life cycle exists with five different sections. And when you only focus on that second one, hiring, you tend to spend a lot more time on the last one, which is offboarding. And I think that's because when you miss that value in those onboarding and those supportive cycles, all the reasons why people join and leave a company, it becomes quite apparent that you need all five. So my goal for today in front of you all is to, or sorry, y'all, is to is to take you through each one of the sections in terms of like my eyes, how we've done it specifically. It doesn't mean that it's the right way, and it doesn't mean that it's the wrong way. It's just how we've adapted each one of these sections to our own company. And if you guys can learn anything from it, great. But I think on the very last slide, it's just in big, bold letters. Like, make it your own. Every single company is different. And if you ever, ever want to talk about it, hit me up later, and we'll just talk. It's, it's, it's a fantastic thing to think about. Okay, the first section is value. And this is the idea that you'll attract someone to work with you for a certain reason. We all have a company for a reason, right? It's got to do something in order for someone to give you money for it. So that value can be both in the product that you're working on, the services that you're providing, or the environment that you're offering an employee to come into. And it's that last part, the environment, that's so important for us. So on this next slide, we're going to go through all the things that that have the value. The hiring process is the bulk of this discussion. So we're going to go through job advertisements. We're going to talk about trial work days. We're going to talk about all kinds of things that we allow people to go through so they can test us out just as much as we're testing them out. The onboarding process is after someone's accepted an offer, what are the first few weeks like? What are the first few months like? How do you keep someone excited and genuinely interested in working for you? and then sharing that with the next person that comes on. Support is the section around keeping them. You want to keep people, so you have to do things to keep them. You just can't expect because you're paying them they're going to stay. Times are changing, so we need to do different things. And then offboarding, where we talk about procedures, I like to spend just as much effort on making a good offboarding experience as good as the onboarding one, because that's what people remember. On to the next one. What you're looking at is a picture that was taken maybe less than a month ago, our team went to Costa Rica. When I say our team, whoever wanted to go to Costa Rica during the busiest tax season of their lives could go. And that's because we offer travel allowances to every single person, regardless of their position at the firm. We give them, I think, around 1000 or $1,500 a piece to go and travel with at least one other work person. So you might see some photos where people have gone to Japan and just done a week in a co-working space because they wanted to go to Japan. We want to encourage that because if you're a remote company but you tell people to stay at their home all the time and they're not doing the things that they want to do or that they join to do because they're so busy, it kind of is counterintuitive. So 
from a culture perspective, we're trying to create things that matter to us. So for us, travel allowances were one of them. A second piece of the culture that was really important was to get people actually together. We're remote, everything is across Canada, but how do you actually have a good company? It's by talking face-to-face. We tried to work for the first year completely remotely. It's hard. It's really, really hard because you need that in-person camaraderie to gather like real respect and real connections with people. So we ended up having company meetups. Now, these are not new. We didn't obviously create them. They've been around for a long time. But we ended up bringing people together. And you'll see some photos later on of us, you know, renting planes and taking them into the interior of BC or renting out hotels and just bringing everybody in. It was really important for us to do that. And the very first one, when there was eight of us, we took them camping, which is awesome, uh, up into Algonquin Park in, in, uh, in Ontario. So having a good culture, I mean, those are only two examples, but having a really attractive culture is the first step in someone being excited to work for you. People check Glassdoor, check your reviews, ask your employees to fill them out. For the people that wrote bad reviews, talk to them if you can, right? Be very transparent that you're allowed, obviously, to write bad reviews. For us, Google reviews, like these are the things that companies or employees are looking at before they, they apply to you. So just be aware of what's out there for you. Also, offering a career path, you'd be surprised, but the number of friends that I have that have companies that don't offer a career path to somebody joining their company is astounding. And imagine you were, you were actually trying to be hired by a remote company. If they said, this is your job, and this is your job forever, you probably wouldn't be as excited. But if they said, this is your job for three years, and then your job is this if you want it, or you could do this or this or this, you're probably going to be a lot happier and motivated at the beginning, regardless of what the details actually turn out to be. So we didn't learn this until about three years or four years in, and then we got very specific with salary bands, job rotations, the types of things that were really, really important to people based on the feedback that they gave to us. So now when you come on board, even in the very first interview, that's what we go over. We don't actually drill into seeing if they're the right candidate. And then challenging work. Can't stress this enough. Monotonous work results in people that are either really happy because they love that and they don't want anything else, or people get bored and burnt out and they try for something a little bit more entertaining or more interesting. So the culture that we've created here is one in which the challenging work is an attractive option. To be specific, we have bookkeepers that are virtual that are running their own companies, and they might have 20 clients. They might make 100 grand, but they are completely bored they're completely frustrated that they don't have any support and they want a team. So to say they can elevate the, the complexity of the work from what they're doing to working with some of Canada's biggest tech companies, it's an opportunity for them. It's challenging. They get to learn new applications. So all of that's all part of this initial process of getting someone hyped up and excited to work for us. And without those three in the, in the beginning, we'd probably have a really hard time attracting CPAs, bookkeepers, payroll specialists, managers, admin task people. You know, it would be really hard to get them to come on board and leave a big four or a mid-sized firm that has, you know, 50 to 100 years of service in the community. So that's why um, we spend so much effort on that. Hiring. So this is the bulk. Let's get, let's get right to it. The job ad itself, I'm no expert. We'll never, ever be an expert in a job ad. 
but we know that it's important. So we try to make it as easy as possible. We'll go through this in a quick second. The next stage is the application itself. We have a few things that we do during the application process that help weed out all of those people that you don't want to talk to. It works for us. It may work for you. It may not. But we'll go through that really quickly. The third section, and this is becoming a point of contention in the hiring community. It's the one-way interview. Some people are dead against it because it's not personal and it's too cold. Some people are very for it because it helps weed out people, like we heard a little bit earlier today about that application. It helps weed out people that may not be as serious as you think. It also is a good way to go through a lot of people and actually see and hear them speak without taking time out of your own calendar to do that. So we're going to go through what that one-way video interview is, but it's been very instrumental in us going through our complete uh, list. I think we've, we've processed close to 18,000 resumes in six years, and we've looked at every single one. The next stage is the video interview itself. Being remote, we're not meeting up with people. Once. It only happened once where someone went to our lawyer's office in Ontario to show up for a job interview. They didn't read the email. <laughs> and then finally, this idea of trial work days. By far the coolest thing I've ever done at our company. And it's not that I created it. It's not that one other person created it. It was that it's this organic, growing idea that we give people a chance to work with us before they say yes. And it's so reciprocal that we get to test them and they get to test us. And I want to take you through that. The job ad itself, it should be taking you know, back to that value bullet. It needs to attract someone. So you'll see in the very bold, I've always not been a fan of this, but for purposes of getting attraction and being a resume that, or a job ad that somebody will actually read, we put, we're the first and largest paperless online CPA firm. That's right, there's no office. Again, gimmicky. It's kind of gross. But it works because people then are interested in doing something. So that first line, we've had people come back to us and say, I probably wouldn't have read through the job ad if it wasn't for the first line. So if that's a takeaway, please, please take that one. It needs to be easy to read. So the only paragraphs you'll see on our job ads are at the very beginning where we're just describing the company. They probably should be bullets, to be honest. We're very honest about the hiring process, which you'll see in a few seconds. So nothing is left out on the table. Everything is, is in that job ad. And you see experience is not equal exceptional. I can't stress enough how much I believe in this. We've had some of the most successful, intelligent, respectful, kind, generous people who've had one year of CPA experience or no bookkeeping experience. I want to work with those people. I don't want to work with the pompous 10-year veteran who thinks that they're better than everyone else. So we, on purpose, never, ever set an experience minimum so that people can apply and not feel like they're being judged because they only have 1.7 years versus the two that you might see in some ads. It wouldn't be a tactical presentation if we didn't say where we're posting. So Indeed has been the number one success story for us in finding people. We sponsor a job ad every time it goes up. And I couldn't imagine doing this in the US with the number of people. I think there's probably more people in California than there is in all of Canada. But 
we sponsor it in almost every city. So when people look and they type in virtual accountant or virtual bookkeeper or virtual CPA or something, it pops up even if they're in a city of a thousand people. So to do that, you have to pay. So we ended up probably going through about 500 bucks every couple days for that job ad to be up and to be seen by a lot of people in every part of the country. And we have people that live on farms that join us. We have people that want to leave their CPA firms because it's the only CPA firm in their town. And now they're getting a job ad that's targeted to them in their town. And it's really cool. So we've tried LinkedIn. We've tried all the major recruiters. Nothing has ever worked as well as that LinkedIn-targeted job ads. Remote-specific... I'm, again, no expert on this. There's lots of people that are, are way smarter than I am. But Remotive is a really cool resource for online jobs and for online inspiration and working remotely. We work remotely, FlexJobs, AngelList, you get it. There's different places to post jobs, but for us, Indeed was the number one. Take you through the job ad quick, 33 minutes left. You can read that quickly. I think because of the timing, I'm going to go a little quicker, but the about the role piece is very important to us. We want to say exactly what the role will be doing without being too vague. So tax engagements, expert support, research and documentation, mentorship, quality assurance. Those are the things that they will be judged upon when they work with us. Those are the things that we should put in the job ad. Coming down, it's very important that these characteristics of this specific person are noted. So they're always wishy-washy on job ads. But for some reason, people come back to us through that process and say, I really liked how you said, I want you to be accountable. I want you to be accountable and you don't shy away from it. Most job ads may not say that. They like that, you know, there's independent work. Some places will say, you know, you must be available all the time. So for this, they like this. The one piece that I'll say that sticks out is the second bullet under working at LiveCA, be treated right. I think that's the number one bullet that we get comments on. And it says, we understand that the best work is completed in a respectful and collaborative environment, and negativity has no place here. You have to stand by that when you say something like that, because it's powerful. Every workplace has negativity in some shape or form. It was very, very, very important for us to act upon negativity and to deal with it. So we learned to be coaches when we never thought we would need to be. We needed to develop and hone our leadership skills to be able to have conflict resolution as a very important part of that. We're still learning. I think we're like at 20% of where we need to be, but we pay a lot of attention to that entire idea of being respectful. And let's just say it, firing the people that you can't get through to and, and change habits, and then hiring again for the right type of people that fill those roles. You'll notice that there's a button. Another piece of advice that I would give people is that if you're looking to hire someone, stop asking them to email you their resumes. Use an applicant tracking system. And when you do that, it doesn't matter if you're only accepting five resumes or 20 or 100. Having it in a system that's quite cheap or free can be very good for scaling when you get larger. It can be good for data analysis. It can be good for anything to do with organized communication. And the whole goal of this is to be more organized and to have better communication. So by pressing that button, it does allow that. But we also enabled this apply with Indeed button because a lot of people apply, apply with Indeed. And that was based off feedback of years of not having that button. And then we started getting people. And some people that work here have used that button, which is nice. The application itself, 
Again, the applicant tracking system, there are a lot of them. Google it, you'll see a hundred. The three that we've tested and looked and have employee, uh, sorry, companies and customers use are RecruiterBox, Breezy, and Bamboo. The reason we chose RecruiterBox, which is what you see on the far right, is because it was super cheap when we started it. Super cheap, probably like 100 or 200 bucks a year. And we were able to have unlimited people. Now they've gotten better and more investment and lots more services. So it's a little bit more expensive, maybe a couple thousand bucks a year. But when you have a lot of volume, it makes a lot of difference. Breezy's great. I mean, it's up and coming. It even has the video interviews built in, which is something really neat. And Bamboo's the tried and tested one that a lot of companies will, will use. The application process itself, the only thing that we care about, I guess besides their email, to be able to contact them, is the questions. And I cut it off like a, like a dummy. But at the bottom it says, why does this role sound appealing to you? And then what would you do if you didn't have another, sorry, what would you do if you didn't have to work anymore? Just something along those lines. The reason we put these in the, in the application is simply because we want to see if people care. We want to see if they care enough to go through this process, write something heartfelt, write something honest, and not be told to. I think that's the key. They weren't told to write something heartfelt and honest. But if you have a culture that's really, really important to you, around, that's built around honesty and respect and kind, generous people, this is a really good test in the very beginning before you even know their name to see what type of person they are. We have said no to people that we went against our, our judgment against because they wrote something short, but they had an awesome resume. They're those pompous ones that we, didn't, we shouldn't have hired in the first place, but we just couldn't resist because the resume looked so good. Halfway through the process, we we're like, yeah, we should have trusted our gut. They didn't write more than two sentences on that or more than one sentence. It's almost scientific for us now. We have so much data on it. After like, almost 18,000, every single person that has been hired has written exceptional items in those, in those boxes. People that have caused the negativity and maybe have contributed to you know, something negative, they may not have written as much. This is what an applicant tracking system looks like. Whited out some people's names. But along the top, you can see the jobs you might have open. You know, the timestamps of when people come in, lots of filtering you can search through. I think you can see on the top right, there's been 17,642 decisions. And as of a couple weeks ago when this presentation was done, we're, you know, screening nine people, had 65 to go through. Just a very nice organized way to keep track of people. One-way video. This is cool. And I'm on that right side of liking one-way videos because we've just been able to save so much time. We use a system called Kira Talent, but there are others called HireVue and Breezy that have it built in, where when you decide that someone's resume and write-up and questions are good enough for you, you can send them an invitation for a one-way video. Now, we've made this incredibly simple. Some companies go overboard, which is why I think it might be getting a little bit of a bad rap. But we ask questions like, why is this role appealing to you? What do you like to do in your spare time? What questions do you have for us? Tell us about a time that you did something cool at work. Just really, really easy things. Because all you want to do at this point is see if they're coherent, if they can put some words together, and they're good enough for a job interview. We have this hooked into Slack. When 
someone completes the, like, the interview, it really comes in through an email. You can see our CTO had some fun with the pizza there. But people will put little emojis, like thumbs up or that little one that scratches the beard and the shrug and the down. I'm not an emoji person, as you can tell. I'm sure there's better words. But they, they comment a little bit on this. And then, then the people that are in this channel, there's about maybe five, uh, nine, sorry, I'm lying, nine. Um, they then decide who then goes to, on to an interview. And then we go from there. So a little bit of a collaboration before. So it's not getting into those, those biases that you hear about all the time in the HR world. We do all of our video interviews. <laughs> sorry. We do all of our interviews through video chat. And we use a, a system called Zoom, which I know a ton of you use already. But the only important, important point for this one is that the first interview is all about them. It has nothing to do with us grilling them. And I think that we changed this about three or four years into the hiring process. I wish we would have done it from day one. It gets people so pumped to work for you when they're not being grilled about you know, what their five-year goal is or something like that. So we answer all their questions. We let them have the floor. We let them start the interviews. And it's such a relaxing environment after they get all their big questions out that if they're good enough, you'll tell by the types of questions they ask. Then our HR manager, or, so, or sorry, then someone that's on, within the position or the manager for that role will take the second interview and just drill them on the technical stuff. Um, <laughs> respect. Everything is respectful. We know this, not worth talking through. Trial work days, the most single coolest thing we've ever designed. It's been there since our very first person that joined us. He came in and stayed in my basement for four days. He did come up for air and water, and he did live in the same city, which made it easier so he could go home at night. Never did that again. But the premise was the same. The premise was, you try us out, we try you out. And we paid him. We pay everybody that comes through uh, $250 for the two days. doesn't matter if it's you know, a $150,000 CPA or a $40,000, you know, admin person. It doesn't matter. They all get paid the same. Feedback. The reason why there's two days and not three and not one, not four, is because if you are creating a company that is based on honest and respectful feedback, you should exhibit that during the hiring process. So we let people go through this objective testing, which we'll go through in a second, and then give them the most brutal honesty about what they made mistakes on, what they can improve on, and what our expectations are for day two. That flip from mediocrity to exceptional, based on feedback, is all we're looking for. Probably all anybody really needs to look for. Objective testing. So what happens here is we, we used to go off of gut. We used to say, hey, there's three people making the decision. These three people should make the decision. And they're like, how was their work? It was okay. How was their writing? Meh. You don't know until you objectively create a test and then test them on it. So now we have four elements of a trial workday that are the same for every single person, regardless of what position it is. And that's communication, technical skills, their professional judgment, which is very, very important. Don't ever skip over that professional judgment piece. And then the culture side, right? Were they yelling at people during the trial days or were they like super cool? 
again, coolness is not a reason to hire somebody. <laughs> but the way that they conduct themselves in front of someone and contribute to that culture definitely is. So now we're on to onboarding. Onboarding is another proud element of the hiring process for us. And it wasn't something we did very well. And now I think we do a good job to a great job, but there's still lots of like, room for improvement. And that's why everybody is always soliciting feedback. The idea of onboarding for us is to create a very exciting but easy first couple of weeks. So we're talking, read this book, right? Watch this Netflix presentation. Watch these YouTube videos. Watch these TED Talks. These are important to us. I'd like you to see that too. So when it comes to being able to create this, um, we use a system called Teachable to have people go through the process. You don't have to use Teachable. You can use whatever you want, whether it's a project management system or an Excel sheet with lists. It doesn't need to be super techie, but for us, it allowed us to track where people were, and it allowed us to create this easily repeatable process for new people coming on board. The other thing, too, is that we have a handbook. I think every company these days is creating handbooks for their employees and their team members. That, I can't stress enough how important it is, because that's where people go for answers. That's where people go to set expectations. And there's another section on handbooks later in the section, so we'll, we'll cover that then. The fourth section on support, this is how you keep somebody happy in their job. If anybody can figure this out, let me know. It's really hard, but here's what we do. It won't surprise you that it's the exact same thing as the first section, which is the value of what's attracting people to you. Culture, career path, challenging work. You have to live up to what you're promising somebody. Just like in a relationship, if you don't, you're gone. But what I'm adding into the bottom here is feedback. Another buzzword in the entire industry these days is feedback, feedback, feedback. It's just a way to say, be honest with somebody. Talk to them openly about what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. We have, like a lot of companies, created feedback rules. How do you give this? What structure do you deliver it in? How often is it delivered? We've moved away from sort of that idea of a performance evaluation and gone to real-time feedback. And it's hard. It's really hard to step out from your day-to-day and then follow these rules and then document things and then do more and more and more. But the feedback loop is so short between the instance of an infraction or a completely cool thing that they did to you saying either thank you or no thank you, we need to you know, go into this a little bit more and fix this problem. But doing it instantly or within a day or 24 hours, which is the rule, that's been what has created a really good, respectful culture. Now, it also creates animosity and issues if you're dealing with this in an inappropriate way, which comes into the procedures piece. So we're still figuring this out, and I think every company probably is. But there's a lot of larger ones that you can draw from um, that are either remote or they have in-person handbooks. Read them. See what they do for feedback, for inspiration. It's really hard, regardless of what someone writes. Telling someone they did a bad job and how to fix it can come across as mean or it come across as like genuinely trying to get them to move from one place to another in their life and in their career. It's a really hard thing to do. Here's some fun features. We 
again, I really encourage people to go and travel. This was our CTO. His name is Dave. He was working from Greece for a while. He visited 22 countries and didn't have an apartment or anything. So it's kind of like all of us, but he was airbnb it. We rented a private plane and went to a place called Bear Camp, which is on the interior of BC, which you can't really drive to, which was cool. The bears weren't out, which was too bad, but um, we got to do some cool stuff when we were about 17 people there. You guys might know all this stuff. Uh, Red Rock Canyon inside of uh, Vegas there. We rented two big bachelor-style mansions, one for the women, one for the men, and just did retreats there. Pretty fun times, but it's not all about fun. We, we made sure that all of these retreats were half work and professional development and very serious, and then the other half was the exact opposite. We didn't even know that Costco sold liquor in like this many bottles. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> You Americans, crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> the cleaning crew afterwards got to keep probably six of those that we couldn't drink. I don't know. Anyway. Next, there's the couple guys that went to Japan. It's very cheap to rent a private island in Nova Scotia, probably like 500 bucks a day. So if you want to go up there and have your own private island, you totally can. We did that with about you know 10 people or so, and it was pretty cool. That was pre-beard. Other cool things that have come from standing for something and trying to put procedures behind things and really enjoy what you're talking about has led us to some really cool, I won't even call it partnerships, it's experiences. That's our chief operating officer, Chris. He uh, got flown out to Bora Bora with his wife, all expenses paid, to do a presentation on remote culture. Cool as hell, right? Awesome. He went out there and did a presentation for an hour and got to spend a week in tiki huts, which is sweet. The thing that I was not expecting to love so much, but actually has turned into one of the primary reasons, besides you know, experiencing life with, with my family, with my wife and my kids, is meeting all of the team members that we haven't met. Because there are people, it's like an ebb and flow of people coming and going, but you don't get to meet their families you know, when they live 6,000 kilometers, ah, sorry, 4,200 miles, I don't know, whatever that is, uh, away. Um, but this is cool, being able to just say, hey, everybody in the area, I'm having some fires, come out to the campsite, bring your camper if you have one, let's just have a fire. Another one, you know, the reason I put this picture up there is because if you look, there's some kids there, and right behind the tall guy in the back, there's my business partner's mom, which is awesome. There's my business partner's sister. There's a customer that's there. There's kids of, of team members. It's just a good old time. And that's why when we come back up to Canada, we're going to go through and do another cross-Canada tour and kind of meet the rest of the, the team members and their families and then come back and do it all again for the people that we meet that are too far on that, uh, on that scale. The last section, 11 minutes left, is onboarding or offboarding. We want to make sure that there's expectations set around this. And you're like, why is there a Panera Bread Bread thing <laughs> there? I'll get to that in a second. But you want to make sure that there's early expectations set around how you leave. Having a respectful culture means you should have respectful procedures. So if you know that you're going to be leaving a company, we're trying to encourage people to let us know 
a year in advance, six months in advance, as much time as possible, and there's no judgment. There's just planning. So when people see that that's okay, it's a really kind of special thing that happens. So sometimes it doesn't happen, but that's okay. At least there is a framework that you can set for people to say, here's who you contact, here's the things you should fill out when you're giving your notice, here are the things you need to have completed before you leave. That's all in the handbook by default, but then it's very specific to the job as soon as the notice is given. So there's never, sorry, it's not never, but there's very less chance that there's chaos when someone leaves, when all of that is, ahead of, is done ahead of time. Panera Bread, the only reason that's there is because I thought that you had to fire people in person. So first time we did that, we were, let's just call it 1,500 miles away. So I had flown there, let the woman go, and then our process at the time, which we didn't have one, was I thought, geez, this is pretty crazy that we went through this. We should meet up again tomorrow and go through in painstaking detail like why this is happening. You know, you live and learn. I still like that process of, of doing a debrief afterwards, but that first initial piece where you let someone go, it's got to be fast. There's a lot of emotion there. So now our procedure for letting someone go is to make it not a surprise. Right? In the beginning, it was a surprise. We were figuring ourselves out. But I guess the piece of advice I would say here is <sighs> that feedback loop should be instant so that people know they're doing a bad job. So it's not a surprise when this happens. The checklists around offboarding, you get the idea. And then deciding if you should give a bigger team or a couple people, letting them know how this person left can be a very interesting discussion. So what we do is we ask them if they would like to write up their going, their going away thing or if they'd like us to write it and they can edit it. And then we post publicly at the right time. We do use Slack, which is a online chat tool, I guess. For those of you that don't know it, kind of keeps everybody together in chat in one, one big room. It's probably the worst definition I've probably ever said about Slack. But the two things that have kept our company together and just laughing are Hey Taco and Donut. These are what are called Slack bots, and they interact with you when you're in your chat room. So what Donut does is it will randomly pair you up with someone that you haven't met up with in a while, and then you go meet them, you report back, and then they keep stats on that. It's kind of cool, because I get to talk to people I haven't talked to in months. Hey Taco is another cool one. You'll see some tacos on the bottom. It's like a reward system. The idea is that if someone helps you, you say thanks with a taco. You give them three, like Monet did with Steph, for a really messy client reconciliation. You get the idea. But what's kind of cool is that this is free. It's just a way for people to say thanks. And for us, you can accumulate them. And then the idea is to take that and have rewards however you want the rewards to be, whether it's your own swag or dinners out or catered lunches at your house or something, whatever it means. Procedures, five minutes, boom. This is probably the coolest app that we've installed to keep everything organized and referenceable. Is that a word, referenceable? This app is called Guru, and it sits as a Chrome extension or as a web app on its own. And you, you can search anything. You can even go into Slack and type slash guru W2. And it would bring up all the internal knowledge we have on W2s, how to deal with them, any documents, any links, anything like that. This houses, I don't even know, 20, 30, 40,000 
cards of knowledge that people create as they come up to something that isn't in there. And our culture is very proud to like post the new Google card anytime something weird comes up. So if you're looking for some place to just start some procedures, Google Docs is great, but organizing that sometimes isn't. Guru is very good because you can search everything, have it organized into different kind of boards, and make that work. Handbooks. Valve. Valve is, <laughs> you've seen their handbook, you'll laugh. If you haven't, you might want to go back and do it some other week, but they're the, the kind of first big handbook that was ever leaked online that got a lot of attention in the sort of tech space. And when you read that, you realize, like, that's a really nice handbook. There's some funny illustrations. There's some humor. Like, that's a kind of a cool company you might want to work for. That then started, I think, it might have started this trend of people actively posting their handbooks online. So the reason I'll spend at least 30 seconds on this is because Netflix has a world-renowned slide on their, on their culture and how they think about things. GitHub also has one. GitLab is one of the biggest open-source handbooks that you can reference. You heard that right, open-sourced handbooks. So they let perfect strangers make edits to their company handbook with approvals, which is cool. So if you were going to start one place, I'd start with the GitLab one because it's really fun and searchable and pretty, pretty interesting. I like a lot of the stuff that they put in there, too. Basecamp, for those of you that have read books like Remote, based on the previous company called 37 Signals, really great you know, group of people that have some interesting thoughts and are sort of looked upon very favorably by a lot of people. Closing points. Yes, it's hard. Hiring is so freaking hard. I think even with all these procedures in place, we're still only maybe 50% of where we should be to a point where it can be just the most genuine and incredible experience for someone that's coming and trying to, to learn. We had to hire an HR manager maybe at the 40-person mark because we were just clawing our eyes out with how hard it was. I'd highly recommend that, maybe a little earlier than what we did. This entire life cycle is the important piece. It's not that you, you focus on hiring and then you focus on firing. You have to remember that there's ebbs and flows. There's things that are part of that entire curve that are just as important as the last one. And if you follow that, it has reduced my stress completely because I don't, I'm not involved in the hiring process anymore. I'm not involved in the firing process anymore. And you know, the idea of this, how do you do this on the road, it's really hard. I don't do it anymore. But if I was on the road, I'd still be involved in these procedures and just trying to work them and make them better so that it was a little bit easier to do. And I think I promised the last bullet would say, make it your own. Yes, make it your own. Take it, what, take it for what it is. And before I press this button, there's 58 seconds left. Um, thank you. Um, from, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I only started this full-timing thing nine months ago with, with my wife, Olga, and the two kids. And the community is incredible. There's so many resources. I've met people this week. I mean, huge shout-out to Dustin in the back, who has four Verizon stores. He's an amazing, smart guy. He's helping me put in a Victron system that I've been hauling around in that mid-bunk for a month because I don't know how to install it. So thank you, Dustin. Thank you to everybody here in the community. I love being here, and enjoy the rest of the week. Excellent. 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Chad. We have written down all the things that Chad mentions in this episode, which is a lot. So if you want to see the show notes and some of the resources that he mentions, you can go to our website at heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast to view all the show notes from Chad's episode as well as every episode that I've ever done on this podcast. If you're interested in hearing more speakers like Chad and coming to our 2020 RV Entrepreneur Summit, you can go to therventrepreneur.com to see details for that event. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.